Hello, everyone. I'm Harvey Brownstone. And if you're a fan of our show, you'll know that I'm obsessed with the golden age of Hollywood. And I love getting together with fellow movie buffs and watching the great classic films. Today's guest has taken that favorite pastime to a whole new level. He and his friends are the subject of a wonderful, inspiring, nostalgic, and heartwarming documentary entitled Brotherhood of the Popcorn, now available on Amazon Prime and Flick's House. The movie is about a group of very dear friends who call themselves the Cliffhangers. For over 35 years, they've been meeting at the home of our guest several times a month to have a meal, talk about everything under the sun, especially old movies, and then watch a classic Hollywood movie and an old-time serial better known as a cliffhanger, hence the name of the group. Told through the lens of the unique personalities of each of these men, it becomes apparent that their individual life stories and struggles are just as interesting as the movies they watch. This documentary demonstrates how each of our lives was shaped by the Saturday matinees of yesteryear, the era they grew up in, and the history of Hollywood and its movies. Here's the trailer. Cliffhangers is a, a group of young men my age <laughs> who uh, watch old black and white movies mostly and serials called Cliffhangers. We're from all different backgrounds. My background is theaters and video and working in the movie theaters. Animators, retired animators. I've never had a real job my entire life. You want to pay me to do this, draw cartoons? Heck, where do I sign up? Fish truck drivers, there's uh, retired school teachers, retired newspaper man, a retired singer. But somehow the movies bring us together. We talk about films, old films, new films, stars. There's my buddy, Gene Autry, one of my favorites. Marilyn Monroe, what more can we want? I want to be the guy that's in that movie with that girl. Just like a Saturday matinee as a kid, it brings you back to your childhood. If I was a good kid, I'd get a, a 25 cents to go to the movie, to get lunch, to buy candy with, and popcorn, and see 25 cartoons, three movies, and a couple of movie serials. Um, we had to think of a news cinema, and they were perfect for children, they lasted an hour. And it was a little, little paradise of mine. Boy, it was like a left hook that dropped me right to the ground. Lateral Parkinson's disease on my right side. I'm going to watch my career disintegrate right in front of my eyes. I like it all. There's nothing in Hollywood not to like. Popcorn spill on aisle 12. They're all characters. They all have their own thing. Rocky feeds the dogs. Jack orders movies every other week. He's got thousands and thousands of movies. Don't talk about religion. Oh, I think you're all kind of religious. I think they thank God for every good picture we ever made. Well, if you're going through anything, don't give up. We're there not only for the movies, but a lot of it's just camaraderie, friendship, and being a member of the cliffhangers. And next thing you know, there's a whole buffet of life in that house. Everything you would want in life is there. These films, just like the cliffhangers, have somehow stood the test of time. 
They have faithfully brought us together, reinforced our brotherhood, and connect our present lives with our memories of yesterday. Find the passion in here and go do it. Our guest started out at the age of 14 as a projectionist at his local movie theater. At 15, he was an usher, and over the next 20 years, he worked his way up to the general manager position of the entire chain of movie theaters. In the late 60s, he met silent screen star Harold Lloyd, and when Mr. Lloyd passed away, our guest became general manager of the Harold Lloyd Estate Museum in Beverly Hills. He then opened the Hollywood Poster and Bookshop in Los Angeles, and in the early 80s, he opened the first video store in Burbank, California, specializing in old movies, which he continued to do as a mail order service until he retired in 2004. For almost 20 years, he's been involved in the Lone Pine Film Festival and the Museum of Western Film History in Lone Pine, California, where over 400 movies were made in Lone Pine's world-famous Alabama Hills. His name is Woody Wise. He's the executive producer and star of the film Brotherhood of the Popcorn and the president of the Cliffhangers Club. Woody, I'm delighted to welcome you to our show. Thank you so much for being here. Great being here. Good to see you. Woody, I, I have to tell you that I absolutely loved your movie. It was written and directed by multi-award winning filmmaker Inda Reed. Whose idea was it to make this movie? Inda Reed. Yeah, a couple of my fellows that were having uh, donuts and coffee at a local donut shop, and she happened to be sitting close to them and heard them talking about how they could uh, lure me into watching the movie that they want to watch. And she became interested and asked them about it. And that sort of was history. They, she asked if she could come and meet me, and she did. And she said, I've got to make a documentary about this. And so she did. Boy, did she ever. It is a wonderful movie. What gave you the idea to start the Cliffhangers Club? Well, when I first opened, well, I've loved movies all my life. And, uh, you know, I started, at, I think at eight years old, my parents gave me a 16 millimeter projector, a keystone with a little reel of Abbott and Costello film. And I would cut holes in, in paper, cardboard boxes to make a little theater. So that was my first love. And it just never stopped. And I just had to be around movies. And uh, especially at that time, it was cowboy movies. My, my favorite cowboy was Roy Rogers, Hopwell and Cassidy, all the Gene Autry. So anyway, when I opened the video store, I had a very good friend that, that uh, was an animator. He uh, uh, drew Mr. Magoo at one of the local uh, studios. And we would talk every day on they all kind of congregated the store on Saturday and talk movies. And then another fellow would come in and be an avid fan. And before you know, it was this three of us. And I said, well, why don't we, when we close the store, why don't we go to my house and watch a movie? So this happened, started happening every Saturday. And then, of course, <laughs> another somebody else heard about it. And it kind of grew. And then it became a regular thing where... It, it got to the point where every Saturday I would put up a big screen and all my pals would come in and we'd run old movies, a, a serial, usually a, a double feature, even a good old film noir or a cowboy film and a serial. And 
This started happening every other Saturday. The Cliffhangers Club is made up only of men. How come there's no women members of the club? Well, <laughs> that, that's a good question, I guess. I, I, I haven't, to be honest, there are not that many women that, that I know uh, that are into old classic films. Really? I, yeah, I mean, they, they are around, but nobody in our group. I mean, that's probably why, if they wanted to be in our group, they certainly could. I happen to love, would love to have a woman in the group. Well, what uh, about all your that. wives? Well, I, I must say this, that when I had movies at the shop, before I closed the shop and retired, we would have an occasional Friday night movie where all the wives would come. But then we would probably run something a little newer. You know, not a Western or you know, a Humphrey Bogart, uh, something like that. So, but other than that, no, you for what we do, and if you watch the film, you watch the film, you have to be really, I mean, deeply interested in the old, old films and how they were made, where they were made. And uh, you, have, it's, it is, you have to have a constant appetite for it. So who decides which movies the group is going to watch? Me. You're the boss. Well, here's what happened. When we started, I was giving them a little options of what they might want to watch. But it was like a never-ending battle of what, what do, are we going to watch? And so I took it. I said, look, and they, they, they're, very, they're fine with it. I pick the movies, and I have a really wide range. All those years I did. Now, in today's <laughs> meetings of the Brotherhood of the Popcorn, uh, I've been giving each member a choice for one week. So that kind of works out nicely. Now, your group meets at your house, which used to be owned by Betty Davis, correct? The property used to be owned by it. My, my home was built on part of her property. Her old home sits right behind me. She had this big property. Uh, she had two or three, I think, of four homes. But this one was close to Water Brothers. I'm just down the street. Water Brothers is about two miles up the street from me. So I think she used this home when she was filming. And she also had Arabian horses. My home is built where she had her Arabian horses. This was her corral. In, in, in the film, you'll see, I've got a shot of Betty Davis's old home, which is right behind me, and, and my home. Do you ever feel her presence in your home? Well, uh, now that you bring that up, ever since we lived here, which is since Danny three, there's occasionally a thumping in, in the attic. And it has never been explained. I've had my air conditioning men check everything. Uh, I have a friend that goes, I can't get up there anymore. <laughs> There's this just a, a, a light thumping. And it's, it's really mysterious. It really is. And I've, I've said all along that's Betty Davis. I, I really you know what it. I think? I think she's not happy that you're not showing enough of her movies and, because you're showing all those <laughs> Westerns. <laughs> oh, I throw some of hers in too. 
You mentioned in the film that your favorite genre of movie is film noir. What is it about film noir that you love so much? Uh, it's something about the black and white photography with shades and the acting is always the Robert Mitchums, the Bogarts, you know, there's just something about them that's fascinating. It's the way they're filmed and acted. And of course, the stories, you know, Raymond Chandler or, or any of those great writers write these stories that just are gritty and, and great. There's always this lovely woman that's there, you know, that's causing a lot of problems. And it's just, it's great. Now, you've had some very interesting experiences with some movie stars. Let's start with silent screen star Harold Lloyd, whom you met in the 60s. What was he like? Harold was great. Very nice man. I met him through a friend of mine, Richard Symington, who ran Muzak. I met Richard through the Theater Pipe Organ Society, which I'm a big fan of. You know, the pipe organs and the big old movie palaces. And I became friends with Richard. He lived in California and I lived in Virginia. So he started inviting me out every year to, to stay with him. And he was a friend of Harold Lloyd. So and they had screenings in their home every Saturday night. So one year when I was there, they were running Grandma's Boy, which was in the 1920s, starring Harold Lloyd. And here is Harold Lloyd there. So I, my first experience was witnessing one of his great movies with him in the audience there. So, what an experience. So what was he like as a person? Did you get to know him well? I did not get to know him well. The next time I met him was at his home. That was my next visit the following year. They took me out to his home, the big mansion that became the museum that I managed. And uh, Harold was there. We went into his office and he was great. He handed me his Oscar, said, hey, hold my Oscar, you know. And it was just, he was just a very great guy, big smile. And, uh, you know, at that time he was, it was just two years before his death. But he still smiling and and jo jovial. Now, you had a very special experience with Peter O'Toole, and you actually attended the ceremony where he placed his hand and footprints at Grauman's Chinese Theater. Tell us about that, Woody. Well, you know, I, I, I love Peter O'Toole, always did. And I heard, I, I forgot how I heard this, but I heard that he wanted a, a, a copy of a film that he had done for television uh, and that he didn't have a good copy of it. And I had access to it. And uh, you're exercising my 85 year old mind right now. Cause. Well, the name of the movie was rogue mail, <laughs> right? Rogue mail. Anyway, this, this film, I got a copy and sent it to him and I really wanted nothing for it. I just sent me an autograph picture. Well, then I got an envelope from the Turner Classic Festival, Turner Movies Classic Festival, that he wanted me to attend his handprint ceremony and have lunch with him and his family. Wow. So uh, he, it was just, it was a really great experience. And this film, this film meant a lot to him. I don't want to get in too far into it and take a lot of time, but if you watch the documentary, I explain it, uh, of why this film meant so much to him because actually when he made this film in the 60s, I think it was in the 60s or so, 
he was actually dying or had just, he had been, uh, he thought he was going to die for three years. He had just some kind of disease. And he had just gotten to the point where he was doing well. And this director wanted him to do this film. And he wanted to do it so bad because it was about the hopeful assassination of Hitler. So the film meant a lot to him. And I, he wrote me, actually, when I, before I even got the invite to the footprint ceremony, he sent me a six-page handwritten letter. Six pages? Handwritten letter about how much he appreciated getting that. It's amazing. Uh, he took the time to sit down and write a six-page letter, handwritten. And he was kind enough to invite you for lunch with him and his family before the ceremony. That tells you so much about the kindness of this man to a total stranger. To yep, total stranger. Treating me like he was, uh, I was his brother. Wow. And you were also friends with one of my all-time favorites, Gregory Peck. Tell me about your friendship with him. Oh, boy. All my history, yeah. Well, when I ran the movie theaters, I would go to the National Association of uh, Theater Owners Convention every year. And one year it was in Miami, and he was the, the star they were saluting. And I got in the elevator one day, and there he's in the elevator, just him and me. And, of course, I loved all of his films. I had to say something. And I asked him, I said, well, what, what is your favorite film? And, of course, this is back in probably 1967. He said his favorite film was The Gunfighter. Now, this was before Mockingbird was made. This was, uh, I'm sure, later on, probably Mockingbird was his favorite. But The Gunfighter was his favorite film to that point. And I said, and at that time, there was no videotape. There's no copies on video. There's that, that out yet. Uh, most of the stars had 16 millimeter prints of their movies. And I asked him if he had a copy of the film. He said, no. I said, well, I have a perfect print. I want to give it to you. Oh. So I sent it to him and we sort of became instant friends for, and whenever I came out to California, he would invite me out to his home or the big thing was, oh, he asked me, he says, what can I do for you? I said, well, I'd love to be on a movie set. You know, at that time, I'm in the movie business in the East Coast. There is no making movies, you know, in, in Virginia. There's no studios. So I always wanted to be on a movie set. So he invited me to come out to Las Vegas, Red Rock Canyon, which is just outside of Vegas, and spend three days out there with him on, on the Stalking Moon set. So I got to be out there with him and Eva Marie Saint for three days. I had lunch with him in his trailer every day. And he was just, he was a great guy. He really was. That is amazing. You must have had to pinch yourself that you're with Gregory Peck. I did. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I'll tell you quite, I'll tell you something you may want to edit out, but the funny one of the funny things, I'll tell you how much I liked him. My first experience of having lunch with him, one of the things I hated as a kid always did was cabbage. Could not eat, eat cabbage. So the first time I go into his trailer, and of course they have these companies that make their lunch every day, here comes a huge plate of corned beef cabbage. I ate every drop. <laughs>
That's how much I liked him. <laughs> That's how much you liked him. <laughs> After that, I became a fan of cabbage. <laughs> so, Woody, you know this question was coming. Do you have a favorite movie? I always have to come back to Casablanca. I mean, because it always has been. I know it's it's almost a cliche to most people, but I can watch films all the time, but I always come back to Casablanca. Really? What is it about that movie that moves you so much? Oh, boy. I, I, I don't know. It, it just has everything. You know, and and it's against even the end is against. I'm I'm all for happy endings. I love romantic movies. I love romantic comedies, and I always want the guy to get the girl. But for some reason, I don't mind. You know, I, to me, him letting her fly away with with her husband and not asking her to stay, which she would have, really showed the love that was there. So I don't know. It's just something about that film that, that gets to me every time. So if I had to ask you to choose your favorite movie star between, let's say, Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant, and Ingrid Bergman, who would you pick? Oh, God. Don't ask me to do that. It's my hard, right? My two my, my favorite male stars are William Powell, Cary Grant, and Humphrey Bogart. Those are my three favorite of the old of the older people. You know, later Spencer Tracy, Peter O'Toole, Gregory Peck, of course, in the later years. But uh, it, it's hard to pinpoint. And what about your favorite female stars? You better say Betty Davis, or you'll get more something. <laughs> I do like Betty Davis. I wouldn't say she was my favorite. Uh, Ingrid Bergman has always been my favorite. I'm oh. sorry, Betty, if she's walking, if she starts walking around tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> now, you have a collection of movie memorabilia, including an original chair from Rick's Cafe from the set of Casablanca. How in the world did you manage to get that? I actually had a swap meet. Swap meet? Yeah, you know, where they, you, they go out to the field, they have all this stuff for sale, and this guy had an original bill of sale. Actually, those chairs, and all, this, all those chairs that are used in movies are used in many films. But if you this this particular chair, and at this point I no longer have it. I, somebody wanted it real bad, and I couldn't made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I did. I did release the chair. But uh, if you looked at the chair, it was identical to the ones in Casablanca. Yeah. Now, Woody, I'm almost afraid to ask you this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think of the movies they make today? Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, my, and you have to look at my age too. I mean, I'm still a member of the thirties and forties, fifties group of movies where to me, movies were entertainment. Now I, I, I don't understand today's films. I don't want to walk out of a theater feeling sad or bad. I, I don't understand that. And so but it seems to be the wave of new films today. No, I do not like to make films. I'm not I'm surprised. To think, I was gonna I was gonna try to tell you the last film that I really liked. I'm having oh I well, 
I'd have to think for a minute. But, well, uh, what about Titanic? You probably like that. Yes, it was good. But you know what? Titanic's a great film. But I never wanted to see it a second time. That's, that's for me, films that I can look at over and over and over. Like Casablanca, Adventures of Robin Hood, Maltese Falcon. I'll throw some, I'll throw some Wildman's in there. You've got mail. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. I'm telling you films that I can put on and watch anytime. And, and my real thing is finding someone that has not seen a film that I like. If I can, if I find that person and they will come over to my little home theater and watch that, it's like, it's like heaven. It's like watching the film for the first time. Because you're seeing it through their eyes. That's right. Oh, I wish I lived near to you, Woody. I would love to come and watch movies with you because I do love the movies from the 30s, 40s and onwards. But I bet you there's a lot that I haven't seen that I would love to watch with you. So when I come to California, can we please have a movie day? Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> I want to tell our viewers that you can learn more about the Brotherhood of the Popcorn by going to the movie's website, brotherhoodofthepopcorn.com. And you can see the movie on Amazon Prime and Flicks House. Well, Woody, I want to tell you that after seeing your film, every time I watch an old movie, I imagine myself sitting there with you and the other members of the Cliffhangers Club. I really enjoyed our conversation. And please give my best wishes to the other members of the club. May I also just interject that if you could go to our Facebook page, Brotherhood of the Popcorn, they could watch the film absolutely free. Well, there you go. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's on my Facebook page, uh, Brotherhood of the Popcorn. Click, it's right there. Click on it. It's free. Uh, if you don't have Facebook, of course, it is on Amazon and Flickhouse. Well, I highly recommend this film. Any movie buff, especially anyone who loves old movies, will love this documentary, Brotherhood of the Popcorn. It really makes you want to create your own cliffhangers club so that you can have the enjoyment of watching movies with all your friends. So thank you so much for that movie. Thank you so much for taking the time to appear on our show, Woody. I loved it. Thank you for inviting me. Our guest has been Woody Wise, founder and president of the Cliffhangers Club, an executive producer of the wonderfully nostalgic documentary, Brotherhood of the Popcorn. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver, my wonderful managers, Rick and Robin at the Marcelli Company in Hollywood, and my entire team at the XPTV1 network in the UK. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Be sure to check out all the great interviews on the Harvey Brownstone Interviews YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when new videos are posted.